Welcome to Confronting the Madness, a podcast exploring the psychological issues of our time. My name is Mark Corthius, host of Confronting the Madness. My guest today is Matt Genereux. Matt is a Conservative Member of Parliament representing Edmonton Riverbend and a former member of the Alberta Legislative Assembly. In January 2020, Matt was named Shadow Minister of Health. Good timing, Matt. In this role, Matt worked with Canada's health stakeholders on many pertinent files, including, of course, COVID-19. Currently, Matt is a member of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Environment and Sustainable Development. Matt is a passionate advocate for mental health initiatives with a particular focus on addressing the stigma of mental health in young men. During this conversation, Matt and I covered a wide range of topics, politics, men's mental health, publicly funded psychotherapy, psychedelic medicine as a treatment for mental illness, COVID-19, and of course, UBI. Why not? And now I bring to you Matt Genereux. Welcome, everyone. Today I have with me Matt General. Matt, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on Confronting the Madness. Yeah, excited to be here. And congrats uh, again on the podcast. Congrats on the, the role. So many congrats uh, for you, Mark. Oh. Looking forward to the chat. <laughs> no, no, me too. I, I just, for, for those that um, don't know who Matt is, um, I'm just going to read your bio quickly. Um, Matt is a Conservative Member of Parliament representing Edmonton Riverbend. Um, a longtime resident of South Edmonton, Matt is a former member of the Legislative Assembly and also the youngest government provincial politician prior to May 2015. And now, can I just, I'm not a political junkie, but did Thomas Dang both beat you in the election and also take over your youngest politician? Is that what happened? Who? I, I'm sorry, you have to remind me the name. Uh, no, yeah, no, Thomas. Uh, Thomas took both. Yes, he's um, he's he's uh, he. We now represent the same area together, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, being able to to know him and and uh, whatnot throughout the last few terms. But yes, he took both thrones from me at, at the time. So well done, Thomas. Yes. Okay. Okay. Kudos to you, Thomas, if you're listening. Um. So so before we dive into some some of the psychological or mental health issues effect, affecting society today. Just curious from a personal perspective, um, politics, why uh, it seems like you were born maybe to be a politician because you started so young, you've been an MLA, now, now you're an MP. Walk us through uh, in your mind how that all came to be. I think that's the worst insult somebody could have have said to me. <laughs> Born to be a politician? <laughs> no, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I honestly, the 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 thing I've I've told so many school groups uh, when asked, you know, why did you want to be a politician? And it was schools in Southwest Edmonton uh, was the the number one thing that got me into to to politics at the level where ran to. 
uh, you know, I, I was very in, involved in, in politics in terms of uh, volunteering for I mean, since I was 14, uh, but it was really wasn't until I had that singular issue in, uh, in our community that really propelled me to run for politics. I have, uh, I think many people know, two, two daughters uh, who at the time were, were three and four and were told that they had to get on a bus for 45 minutes uh, to go to kindergarten and that's uh, really what propelled me to get into uh, to, to run uh, it's uh, in encouragement from a lot of people like um, Dave Hancock uh, former um, mm -hmm. uh, um, premier um, we I remember having conversations with him actually in the office that I now uh, right next to uh, it was his office uh, I now as a member of parliament right next door to where we would have those conversations so it's kind of interesting how things have uh, have, have come about but um, it's politics is a it's it's a tremendous opportunity to influence public policy in, in a variety of of fronts and obviously that one issue of of schools in southwest we got a bunch of schools in southwest it, it was yeah. great uh, but it also is is it gives you that platform to to continue to talk about uh, issues that matter to you and you know mental health is uh, has been a, a huge one uh, for me also dating back to the time with my with my kids so yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's been an interesting almost 10 year journey now 10 year journey you're a wily veteran now almost yeah, right yeah. yeah um and so what was it about mental health um that made you become an advocate as a, as a politician was there a singular issue there or was it something that's been a uh, part of your your thinking for some time yeah it's i guess it's it's kind of developed over the the course of, of 10 years as well as as most things do but it was i remember being the it was right after molly was uh was born so molly's my 13 year old uh now and i i just remember feeling the immense amount of pressure being a, a new dad uh you're not knowing, as we all know, they don't come with a come with a guidebook or a manual. So you're trying to figure out what to, what to do, how to balance, and just feeling the the onset of of so much anxiety and and stress and and depression really as it it came uh, came about, and recognizing that there's there's a ton of supports for uh, you know Molly's mom at the time who who was also struggling with with some aspects of of postpartum, and there's a lot of supports for, for, for her, which is great. And we, we need those supports. Uh, however, from the men's perspective, there really wasn't uh, a lot of uh, resources that I felt I could turn to at the time. Right. So I started raising the issue when I was in the Alberta legislature uh, about stamping out this stigma of, of men and, and talking to other men about their, their, uh, their concerns for their anxiety and, and, and depression and felt very vulnerable at the time. I remember being told by, uh, by a number of people saying, oh, don't tread on this water. You know, it's politically, it's not good because wow. you know, it'll, it'll, it'll take away from, from what uh, we should be talking about is, is postpartum in, uh, in the mom. I see. I said, well, why can't we have both conversations? Right. You know, so that's really where it, it started from and, and we've, we've kind of grown it from there. What, what year was that that you brought that up um, publicly? I think it would have probably been about 2013. I gave a speech in the, um, the Alberta legislature uh, and then asked a number of, of um, uh, questions at uh, it was budget estimates at the, the health committee. And it was just at, at, at the time that that's when there was a member uh, public health doctor saying, you know what, uh, 
again, tread lightly on this subject, um, young man. Well, you're, you, you, we don't want to risk uh, taking away from what the mum goes through. And I still firmly believe her that we can, we can certainly talk about uh, both and have supports for both. No, absolutely. And, and kudos to you for, I mean, 2013, not that long ago, but it's amazing how shifts in society happen so quickly that, you know, even wonder what would happen if you said that in the ledge today, you know, <laughs> it may be even more of a quote unquote polarizing type of assault on, on, on the mother, perhaps, even though in the yeah. intention of that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Like in terms of having that initial conversation like i i think granted i was uh, again the youngest um member in the, the legislature so it was it was raising these issues as a young dad where a lot of my colleagues at the time were were having grandkids and and whatnot so i think being able to to resonate at the in that moment maybe wasn't the it wasn't what most of the legislature was was thinking about but i think as we've seen seen politics and people like like thomas people like like david shepherd uh, a number of of other younger individuals get elected over the at the course of 10 years i think a lot more young dads being there like casey matter here from southwest is a, is a dad like i think more and more of that perspective might uh, might have been yeah you're right might have been a different uh, conversation at the time and so how after 2013 when you when you spoke did did that start to evolve your thinking about mental health or did you get more entrenched in in understanding you know it from a from a policy perspective from an individual perspective um how did you how did you move from there because that was a i guess an isolated incident to you as an individual that shone a light on an issue that you brought to to the fore but did it did it expand your 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 want for trying to influence change given your elected status? Yeah, and I think the I think the amount of pushback that received from people saying that you know be careful what you're talking about, young man. I think was was kind of well. Wait a minute, like probably have stumbled across something that that people need and people need to talk more about. And it's actually, I I would argue that Edmonton is probably the leading city in the the country in terms of of our mental health advocates and in terms of at least what I have now seen as a as a member of Parliament is that we have so many people here that I've been able to talk to as a, as an MLA and carried those relationships into to um, uh, as a federal member of parliament in Ottawa but basing that back to to making that speech in the legislature having a, a number of, of organizations reach out or me reaching out to to certain people and saying what do you think about this and they're saying yeah you know you're you're right there is a missing gap here in terms of what uh, what we can do so in in terms of how that that impacts public policy is still something that i struggle with every single day is is how best approach it like there's there's some tangible low hanging fruit items which I, you know, the one that I'll, I, I think is, is important that I've, I've raised over again with my provincial colleagues is that when you, right now we have home visits from nurses after, after the mom's given birth and mm -hmm. they come and they ask a series of questions to, uh, to, to the mom and say, you know, if, uh, how are you, how are you feeling, uh, is, uh, feeding, uh, so on and so forth down, down the list. Um, the last question they ask is: Is are you feeling any any concerns of of anxiety, depression, uh, onset, uh, you know, suicide, harm to the baby, these sorts of things? They ask that to the mom, and it, 
the, the dad in, in lots of cases is sitting right beside uh, the mom. So why can't that question also be posed to, to the dad? Is it going to catch every case? Probably not, but it's, I think it would be a step in the right direction in order of, you know, a small public policy change that would, would really, I think, help impact a lot more uh, dads out there. So how that intersects with public policy, I guess, is, is the ongoing work that I keep trying to, to find those examples that we can change. Oh, interesting. So just if I could take a step back, um, I'm curious, and I want to get to psychological questions, but this is more of, <laughs> this is more of a government type question, if that's okay. You know, how do you, you know, both as MLA and now as an MP, define the role of government like how do you like how do you see government um and the role it plays in civil society today what is it if you could boil it down to a sentence or two Hmm. that's a great question uh something i haven't thought about which shows your show is completely unscripted Um, (laughs) um I, I've always believed as my as my my values of of less government involvement in in our lives is better. That's that's changed. I think some of my societal thinking in the last let's say what's it been thirteen months, fourteen months since the pandemic has has really impacted our lives. Uh, so I I I think I would put a asterisk beside that. Um, with with perhaps the, uh, the 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 thinking that less government involvement in terms of of dictating what public policy from the top down means, with the exception when we're trying to keep you know, Canadians, uh, Albertans, Edmontonians safe, which I believe we are right now. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Um, so I guess you know if you if you put yourself on a on a spectrum between left and right, and then you're somewhere on the right side of the spectrum, wherever it doesn't matter where it is. I'm wondering if if the pandemic has actually shifted conservatives more towards the center, be, just given the the magnitude of of the issue. Because as you said, you an asterisk or whatever. Because um, I had heard this um, quote by it was Senator uh, from Utah, Mike Lee, talking about. You know, he views, and he's a very, I think he's one of the most conservative senators in the United States Senate, that um, government is force. And so forced by the way of military, but also forced by the way of, um, or the um, threat of force by the way of, you know, if you speed, we're going to take it to you. And that's all it should be. And um, I I asked that question to you because as it pertains to, to mental health, I'm curious about you know, from the political perspective, you know, if, if, if that is the case where conservatives believe, you know, government is simply force, um, I'm wondering what the role provincial and federal governments play in things like mental health care when, you know, it's, I think it's more understandable for, you know, obviously we have to care for people in emergency departments and acute care, but I find that mental health care is this um, ethereal, hard to pin down problem in our society that's becoming more and more public. But I'm just wondering what role does the federal government play in helping to ensure both we have a 
system, mental health care system or systems across provinces, but then also um, we have a society where people are able to pursue things that are meaningful. Like, how do you think about that as a, as a, as a politician at the federal level? And what role does the federal government play in ensuring that we can be as mentally healthy a society as possible? Yeah, well, a lot to unpack there, Mark. I'm sorry, that was a, that was a terribly... <laughs> no, that was a terribly 16 questions rolled into a, a tongue twister. So, Political science theory, which, yes, I, I imagine there's a bunch of political scientists listening to your podcast that are going, I know the answer. Um, <laughs> this, is <laughs> yeah. where, this is where we're headed. Um, yeah, I, 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 first of all, I think on the, the political um, question on, on kind of where where conservatives are in terms of where if you use Mike Lee uh, or Senator Lee example on um, on that I think you're you're you, you may be on to, to something I think again that's probably a political science study that somebody can write a paper about have uh, in 10 years from now have conservatives move maybe more to the to that center um, I wouldn't say that would be with all, though, because you know, you and I, in 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 kind of a, a pre-chat before we started recording, we're chatting about you know how people's beliefs about the the pandemic are 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 pretty radical in in right. certain ways. So yeah. I wouldn't say that's just across the board. All conservatives have have moved a little bit more to that center. Um, personally, though, um, yeah, I, I think you know having. Having the government cut uh, a paychecks and 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 absolutely supporting this move to individuals who have been laid off work is something that I absolutely support. Would I have supported that probably three years ago, two years ago? Right. Probably not. I, you know, the the, uh, the 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 conversation about universal basic income it it worries me and and we can we can talk about that if you like yeah. um, but I, I think that's uh, that's a, a core value of mine is is feeling that you know the the the, the hard work the 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 encouragement the, the the kind of that Alberta spirit almost you know Alberta advantage where work hard you you can succeed in in life I think that's a core belief of, of mine is that change suddenly because of the pandemic I don't think so but certainly you know, another side my compassionate side of mine wants to make sure that we're we're supporting people in this this really unprecedented time of need so I guess that's where the asterisk piece would would come in yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I I do think when it comes to to your your question about um, uh, uh, public policy and and how how that at the the federal level should we be you know, I'll, I'll sum up here your your 16 questions um, <laughs> of you know should we be giving money to, to more money to things like like mental mental yeah. health um, it's uh, like th this is where, where you know, I use that use that that, that very basic example of you know support, asking the guy a question when you're when you're sitting there talking to to the mom. That doesn't cost anything. That you know is just a simple change that I think you know we we could make uh, probably on some worksheet somewhere of questions what to ask the the new parents. You, you ask that question. Um, when it when it comes to to mental health, it's it's shown over and over again the amount of 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 money and and supports to to certain groups. You know, I I know the the federal government just spent uh, um, what was it um, uh, on uh, mental health care to it was veterans and indigenous um, uh, communities. Mm -hmm. um, 
it goes a huge, huge way when uh, when you're able to identify those those uh, specific specific groups, and it's been able to, I think, think support a lot of those groups. So, do I support that money going there? Absolutely, support that uh, that money going there. I don't know if that's uh, across the board. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I'm voting in favor of this liberal budget. Um, spoiler alert, um, but that doesn't mean I don't, I wouldn't support something like, uh, like those direct supports. So it's, it's tricky in terms of developing that policy. I find like they, they, they gave. I think also part of the budget was a two-year commitment uh, to a national standards on on mental health. Yeah, that national standards seems good but like we're, we're we're such a huge country in terms of what works in terms of some of the just the basic things we've been talking about today in in edmonton in an urban center probably is a lot different than what would work in nunavut or or you know a, a rural alberta uh setting so sorry, sorry what is what does that mean i don't know anything about the national stat what is a national standard on mental health can you just break that down in terms of what the yeah, the, the, the federal government gave um what was it 45 million um in budget 2021 here um to to look at i think it was through the the cihr um okay. institutes for health research uh to develop national mental health standards which in collaboration with provinces and, and stakeholders so that's a great question what does that mean that's because i i think it probably means something different to you that means to me and then you and you push that across the country in terms of what that means that 45 million dollars for two yeah. years what does that mean to you know uh pei or, or new brunswick a fisherman yeah. who who works you know maybe eight months of the year on 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 his boat and then uh, does he then struggle through you know the stress anxiety of depression of of either finding a separate job or, or living off ei you know I, I think there's a lot of a lot of things to unpack in terms of putting a national standard on it, which is probably why it hasn't been done up to this point so seeing 45 million dollars go to mental health yeah like that's that that's good Absolutely. in terms of yeah what what does that how can we leverage that uh, best i think it's when the government is looking at at those specifics like the you know veterans uh, uh affairs indigenous issues you know men's mental health um postpartum with 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 women uh, kids uh, right now you know i think i think there's a lot of, of those specifics to, to unpack with with some of this money too so so you come back to one I do I know what you meant, but it's you you're you're a little choppy. Am I okay now? Uh, Am I okay now? Seems yeah, yeah, seems better now. Yeah. yeah I, I was saying um you said you're in support of cutting those checks. And I'm, I'm, I'm presumed you meant writing checks to the individuals who have lost their jobs, as opposed to cutting out the checks to individuals yeah. who have lost their jobs. Yes, that's right. very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good clarification. You're right. Yes. Yes. Um, um, the other thing which is interesting around, um, I'm fascinated by uh, money and mental health in terms of, I think uh, the Kenny government here in Alberta has. So they've appointed a associate minister for addiction and mental health, Jason Lawn, which might be the first time that that's happened in Alberta's history, which is a notionally good thing. And I, I believe they've proclaimed that they've committed uh, more money towards addiction and mental health. Addiction is a prominent 
or and mental health than any government in in history. But one of the challenges that keeps me up at night around funding towards mental health is that, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, is that um, in each province, um, there's been this, it's not even a system, it's, it's that anyone who had a mental illness historically going back a hundred years were put in asylums, which were effectively jails. Mm-hmm. And um, over the course of decades, people lobbied to say that that was inhumane and therefore the, the very severely mentally ill should be integrated into community mental health settings. And so to my mind, and I'd love for, to somebody to say that I'm, I'm wrong about this, we took the asylum system, made it into the community mental health system, which is, but we, we've never really designed a system for the 21st century around mental health care. But then we go and we put money towards um, an asylum system that needs a complete reformation. And so I'm just curious. And then the other piece of it, now I'm just going to go on a bit of a rant about it, is that, you know, groups like the American Psychiatric Association continue to expand the definition of mental disorder and therefore create a growing list of individuals who are classified as being having a mental disorder. Um, and so all we hear now is that, you know, one in five of us have or will suffer from a mental illness. That number will probably increase shortly. There's a tsunami of mental illness coming our way due to the pandemic, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I find both those that hyperbole somewhat distasteful to a degree but then i also worry that if the hyperbole is successful and then you dump a shit ton of cash towards something that doesn't have a solution we're just putting good money after bad and so you know i don't know what role the federal government can play in really trying to redesign a system that was never really made yeah, that's really um, well. Like take take the uh, there was there was money put aside for um, um, like uh, like to fight homelessness for for example. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So so that you know it's how does how does that then integrate with you know, the, the 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 mental health supports that are you know, being offered at the the provincial level through through Jason Lewan's ministry. I, I don't know what that answer is. Um, you're, I think th- there's probably there's there's so much pressure on governments to to support mental health yeah. and to to provide money to you know the, the the creation of the Mental Health Commission of Canada is is a great example of this. It's it's a um, it's a wonderful organization. They've they Louise Bradley, who I, I think just retired, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, does great work, a real strong advocate for, for, for mental health. From Alberta, or worked in Alberta yeah. for a time too, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 I think she's from out, uh, out east, um, like, oh, yeah. like past Ottawa, but, but yeah, but yeah, spent a lot of time in Alberta, so she gets, gets Edmonton. We've had lots of great conversations together. Um, 
but yeah, like what's the, what's the ultimate goal? So like these, seeing this, this, this money in the, the, the federal, federal budget for, for national standards, you know, where, where do we go with that? And it's a two-year commitment. It is that this money, it's not ongoing past that. So even if we do come up with the perfect system, it's what happens after that, that two-year mark, it, it's then up for probably gets back into the political debate on on you know balancing budgets where are people cutting all, all these sorts of things so i i think you know ultimately the the, the, the politics is 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 always been terrible with with mental health it's it's be, become a you know a political hot potato that that people can stand up and you know i, I all sides of the aisle i'd say my colleagues and and my party included i see people stand up and say well i support mental health like okay like like we probably all do like if we had you know somebody who who was uh in our family you know who was 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 feeling uh depressed suicidal like absolutely you're gonna drop everything and and, and take care of them but to, to 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 just kind of lump it all in under under like one heading like mental health is is uh is is something that i'm a, a real strong advocate for it's Okay, well, yeah. But what what are you doing uh, about that to make that um, uh, make a difference on that? Yes, and I often I often find you know. So your story it was a very specific issue that you took on. Uh, I find that those are actually much more effective in terms of producing positive change rather than like as you say, let's take this blanket term mental health, which I have a problem with that. That terminology anyways and then saying you support it um, and then saying okay well if you support it then okay you realize it's a, it's a massive problem yes okay well what's the solution it becomes very very daunting to really yeah. uh, delve into that i want i want to talk about ubi but i did want to ask you a question just along this thread um related to psychotherapy talk therapy and so you were the shadow minister of health um, for a time, right? Under was that under the Peter? Instead of the, the the pandemic, there. Um, you were the shadow minister. Oh yeah. Right well, actually, started, yeah. Well, the sleepy maybe, health file. I was told here's a sleepy health file, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't. Okay. okay. Before I ask the question, I want to ask. I want to maybe just talk through through that that experience, I guess. And um, when did you start? as the shadow minister of health and then what was that like in that role when when the pandemic was coming online because obviously you were going to have to be super well read in the file and then you know probably one of the more important opposition roles to have maybe in the history of of canada that, that hyperbole i don't know but you know you'd want to hold the government to account as much as possible um, and ensure that they're making the best decisions possible given the magnitude of the pandemic. So just maybe talk through the, your experience from a psychological perspective on how all that shook out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, it was when it was presented to me, um, oh, health, there's, you know, there, there's, there's probably pharmacare coming up. So that'll probably be the, the thing to, to be, be concerned right. about. So I got it. Um, I think I got the phone call in December of 2019 saying, uh, 
uh, we'll, we'll need you to take on the, the health file uh, here for a bit. I was infrastructure uh, prior to that. Yeah. Uh, so that cool, like, you know, I have, I have this private members bill that was coming up that was kind of tied to, to health and, and labor. To, to, so I thought, well, this will be, this will be interesting. And in pharmacare, you know, I've, I've only kind of understand peripherally what I, I know. So this will be good, dive into it. I was actually, then I, I was sitting in, um, um, uh, the actually the Royal Alexandra Hospital in the waiting room and uh, was just scrolling through through Twitter and it was the uh, uh, if, if you remember at the time it was just kind of confined to, to Wuhan China uh, this uh, um, uh, the coronavirus and I sent out a innocuous tweet uh, saying oh this is something we should probably watch and you know didn't really think anything of it went into my appointment at the at the hospital and. And then the next uh, day had um, uh, a question in the, the House of Commons, uh, which uh, got up and asked the, uh, the the minister, "What are we doing about uh, this coronavirus?" Um, we were calling it at the time. Um, it, do you think maybe perhaps we should be more concerned about it? And I remember the the the, the answers back at the time were just like now they're fascinating. At the at the time, you know, we're like we we're a little surprised, but um, and now it's just fascinating to go back and and somebody sent me that the other day, and they basically said, you know, we got it under control. It's confined to 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 China. We're not going to ever shut down flights to to China because I remember being borderline being called a racist, uh, saying that why am I looking at uh, at uh, uh, shutting down flights to China? This is is whatever. So yeah. this just kind of blew blew us away a little bit at the time. So, so what, you know, what's the date on this? Is this January or yeah, this is in January? January, yeah. um, right before right before things. What we, we was called a. Uh, what uh, an international pandemic? What was it? Uh, March? Um, March? 12th, yeah. For some reason, yeah. it's yeah. in my mind. But yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we're asking questions about this in January, and um, then we asked the, for an emergency meeting at Health Committee uh, again, just to get an update on this. And you know, Dr. Tam, uh, Minister Haidu, who who I, I consider friends, and and mm-hmm. throughout the the course because we spent a lot of time together, especially at the beginning. Uh, we're, we're again very much, uh, you know, we got this, um, we just need to flatten the curve and, and then things will be, uh, be okay. And it was just, uh, as we saw everything kind of just rolling out, it, it just became, then suddenly we're meeting virtually in, in parliament. I gave the, the first virtual speech in, in parliament, um, oh. where, uh, standing in my living room, um, <laughs> doing it. So and it was just a, a wild, uh, experience, um, uh, which certainly, you know, was a, it goes back to where it all kind of started. I think, you know, was, didn't anticipate where we'd get to, uh, you know, I wish I might, I had some sort of, of, of magic um, uh, ball to see where we were heading on this, but uh, yeah. certainly at, um, there will be a Royal Commission report. We will all weigh into it. I look forward to my testimony at that Royal Commission report and, and I, I think if if we could look at at one one thing that I wish the government would have done right at the beginning, like you know we we complain about rapid tests and and yeah. vaccines and and closing borders, which I think there's fair criticism like that probably, but I I really pushed at the beginning to have a. I remember we were doing some research on what happened during war, World War II in, in terms of, of Parliament and, and how it operated uh, and anticipating this being being this this international, um, like what has become an international life-changing experience. 
there they they made a a uh, they, they struck a committee where it was nonpartisan and it had the uh, the NDP the um, the the conservatives or social credit or, or whatever it was at the time. And I really yeah. wish the government at this time would have done some of that because I think it would have taken a lot of this this partisan rhetoric that we've mm-hmm. seen you know at provincial levels at, at yeah. federal levels really scale it down a bit because you know every time. Minister Haidu or, or Prime Minister Trudeau stood up, said, and said, "We're going to do this." It, it would have been a decision of this this committee. It's not partisan committee. Yeah, and they could have yeah. said, "Look, like we we talked to to Matt on this committee, and and yeah. he was fine with it." So it, it would have completely, I think, just just really leveled that uh, field, which. Yeah. I think it's unfortunate, and the, all the all the, the things of criticism and, and royal commission reports and all that will will I think unpack that a lot more. But um, I really wish, in, in hindsight, that would have been something we could have done. Do you think that's um, that? Because I think that yeah, that would have been a, absolutely a great idea. Because you know you're in these you're in these WhatsApp chat rooms where you have these conservative friends of yours or or liberal left friends of yours, and then anything Justin Trudeau does, you know, is unreal around vaccines. But then. Anytime something happens bad, you know, my conservative friends are, oh, here's an article about how he screwed something up. Um, but do you think the reason why, because I think that's a fantastic idea, I don't why that didn't happen was that it wasn't thought out or because uh, politics is so hyper-partisan now that it can't happen? What's Why do you think that did, didn't transpire? Yeah, um... It, you know, they. Uh, I asked this this question over and over and over again at committee, right as this was kind of happening, because felt this this would have been able to to again just dial everything down a bit. I, I think at the time there was there was probably in now that I've had time to reflect on it, I you know at, at the time I, I certainly wasn't um, you know astute to, to all this, but mm-hmm. I think at the time it was probably because there was. They didn't the, the government didn't anticipate it going this long I, the it's a minority government i think the, i think a lot of factors uh played in the, the government right now or, or at, at that time still had the the resources of their public health officials and you know some of the early comments from dr tam not wearing masks like those sorts of things i think i think now you can point back to and say right. well they probably thought this maybe is a six month kind of thing so why yeah. why do we need to talk to jenner about you know something that's going to be done in six months so it, anyway i think uh, it would be interesting to ask um Ask Minister Haidu now, and and those same kind of questions. I bet you they 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 might uh, might rethink some of that because yeah, like politics politics was hyperpartisan in in the last few years already, and then you add the, this pandemic where everybody's you know stuck and, and can't you know we don't have the opportunity to be in Parliament every day like we used to I guess blow off steam in question period, uh, so. Right. Now it's it's become this. Uh, I think even worse, um, and I think we probably could have fixed some of that. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of my um, early COVID stories, and I wasn't I, I wasn't paying attention. I never really paid much attention to any pandemic related issues over like when it was the bird flu, or I, it, oh, it just yeah. never something that quite hit my own personal radar. And we were doing. Um, a fundraising breakfast on March 11th, Wednesday, March 11th, um, for the Mental Health Foundation. And I got an email, I think it was the week prior. This sounds so stupid, but I'm happy to say it. I got the week prior from one of our fundraising committee members. And the subject lines read, 
um, COVID and the breakfast. And I didn't know what COVID was. Yeah. And in my mind, being a, a fundraiser, trying to raise money, I think to myself, you know what? Maybe COVID is an Edmonton-based company. And at the last second, they want to sponsor the breakfast. And so maybe we can get a couple more bucks, right? right. And so I read the email. And the email is, of course, like, Mark, do you think we should be worried about canceling the breakfast because of COVID-19? And then yeah. next thing you know, I'm madly Googling what is COVID-19. <laughs> so that would have been one of the first people to Google COVID-19 then at the time, too. It's, uh, you can get away from it, but yeah. Wow. Um, I was going to ask, I want to talk about UBI, but um, what your thoughts are on publicly funded psychotherapy? So if you're you were the Minister of Health, or maybe one day you will be the Minister of Health. Um, you know, there's been calls for and cases for f publicly funded psychotherapy. Um, obviously, that would be an expensive um, ticket item, but is, is that something you could see yourself supporting uh, or do support? Yeah, I'm, I won't pretend to tell you I know all the details about uh, uh, psychotherapy. The, the the issue that that when it comes to, to funding you know, expensive um, uh, treatments. It's it, it's absolutely maddening as a as a as a politician when we get requests. I'll I'll use the what's the um, cystic fibrosis drug, uh, Trikafta, for example. Okay. The, the it's there it's it's a it's a drug that's approved in uh, in other jurisdictions. It's not approved in in Canada, and we get requests and we get a request from a, you know, a, a 12 year old boy in our riding who right. can't afford the medication under the compassionate grounds with, through the minister of, of health provincially can, can agree to fund or not fund that, uh, that particular medication. Uh, I, I assume that's similar to, to, to psychotherapy uh, treatment. Now, if, if that's the 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 case, then you're basically you're you're making these making the minister, you're making the the, the government make what is probably political decisions a lot of the time on the the health and and safety of uh, of this you know example a twelve year old kid. Mm -hmm. um, you know we we get probably get I would probably get but once a month I get a request for for somebody who has a rare disorder, a rare uh, drug that that needs approval for and, you know, absolutely want to like, saying, how much does this cost? Like, maybe I could pay for it myself. Like, you, know, you, you want to help um, yeah. them. And, and I, 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 I don't think um, I don't think that's different. If you're the minister of health, I think you absolutely mm -hmm. want to help as many people as you possibly possibly can. If there is reasons why you know psychotherapy treatment is 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 needed and and wanted and and supported for for individuals, then absolutely would want to get every every treatment possible. My my wife, she's a um, um, a surgeon at uh, the um, uh, Royal Alec U of A Hospital, and the she, what she she often uh, reiterates to, to to me is that if it's if it helps to make you feel better, even even mentally make you feel better, 
uh, if it's you know, placebo effect, whatever that is, <laughs> then it's probably it's probably good for you to to take or for you to do. So for from my perspective, you know, I I defer back to the experts on 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 that. But you know, it's it again like back to 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 certain treatments. You just you, you want to. You, you get into politics because you want to help people you want to 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 do good in your community and by telling people well well no because you know there's there's a study here a study there that uh, that would say would say no it's that's not what i got into the politics right. for you want to get yeah. want to make people better so yeah yeah because i mean i i used to always be interested in like the novel i still am the novel new treatments around mental health care and the more I, I think about it in terms of solutions, the more I see, you know, somebody like myself who has health benefits, um, I can see a therapist, right, for it's 200 bucks an hour, right? And I can see them eight times if I want to. And um, I, I believe um, quite strongly that the benefits of, of psychotherapy and that I think those that are most... Um, most in need of someone to talk to probably don't have the health benefits through their employers to enable them to access that. And so, you know, I would love for our government um, to really put that on the table in a more pro a prominent way around, you know, the case for funding um, psychotherapy, particularly for those at, at the lower income brackets, because, um, you know, a lot of, I think some of the social disorder issues and so forth um, that tie into policing and um, they all stem back to me from an individual who has had a um, traumatized life in some way, shape or form. I don't like using the word trauma um, too loosely, but um, if they were able to access some forms of talk therapy, um, I think that would actually save the government money in the long term, but that's my that's my biased um, bias. So let, let's talk about UBI um, a little bit, if you don't mind. Universal basic income, and you know, effectively, you know, we, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but have we not been doing a UBI experiment for the last 15 months through all of the subsidies the government's provided? Um, Canadians? Yeah. yeah, I would I would argue yes, it's it's if not identical in definition, very similar or very yeah, similar or or cross promotional, I guess, in, in terms yeah. of, of how you would uh, define it. Um, yeah, the which which is again, you know, something that you ask me. 13 months ago 14 months ago would i support you know, giving giving money to individuals who who have are are have lost their job for let you know again outside the the course of the pandemic have mm -hmm. lost their job through maybe a downsizing of a of a company maybe a you know look at the, the hospitality industry you know maybe a seasonal job that they they got or, or didn't have at uh, the time and they've lost that job would i support giving them money to say hey you know keep uh, keep going um on this probably not mm -hmm. um 
again, based on a lot of my personal values of, you know, you work hard, you get, you go an education, you, you successful, you, you continue to, to, to contribute to, to society in a, in a meaningful way and, and so on and so forth. You know, we, we all encourage our kids to, to, to do well at school because, you know, they can go and they, they, they work hard, they get rewarded and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, but then, then enter the pandemic. Yes, that's uh, you know we, this is kind of unprecedented. I I wouldn't think that that uh, person who who was working at a restaurant would would have thought that their job would would basically become obsolete because of the closures and lockdowns of of a variety of things. So, do I, on a compassionate level, support that? Absolutely. When it comes to UBI, just in in general, I've I've yet to. I met with a number of individuals trying to 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 get a an understanding of of what this this means as as to why why UBI at the federal level should be uh, a policy that's implemented. I I can understand it uh, to an extent at the 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 municipal maybe even the provincial level, but you you look at at the the uh, the federal level. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Can you just how, how do you understand it at the municipal level? I'm just curious. Well, you can you can say here in Edmonton, for example, say yeah. Meridon Iverson wants to, I don't know, I don't even know if it's within his um, um, uh, ability, but say he wants to go and, and give everybody at the municipal level, here's a, a certain you know, $30,000 to uh, yeah. to that. You you would probably base that on on certain costs of living, like the you know the housing, uh, cars, taxes that, that we all right. pay here again yeah. at that municipal level. But then you you take that across the the, the country, and like uh, we know a house and you know a house here in Riverbend is what an average you know seven hundred thousand dollar house, yeah. uh, house in Fredericton, New Brunswick. I don't know what it is, but it's certainly not seven hundred thousand right. dollars. So, right. do you then have a basic income that that fluctuates? Oh, yeah, and then then you'd be, then you'd be getting so much into that micro level of, of okay, well this this city's taxes are this much, and so they sh- these residents who identify themselves as living in this city, right, get this much, but then rural uh, Fredericton maybe a, a bit different. So, so I think at that federal level, it's it's such a such a difficult blanket policy. Does it never make sense from a practical or implementation perspective? Is what you're right, saying? Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you against it though philosophically? Because um, you know, I think the I, I think the I, I, the the people who are idealistic about UBI um, paint a picture of something that me personally, I'm not quite sure translates in in, in reality in terms of um, you know my perspective is that. And this is a psychological mental health perspective is that in order for you to, I don't, I don't want to discount severe mental illness. I'm just talking about the average kind of like down the, the mean of society. Purpose and meaning come through things like work and um, accomplishments um, and struggle and overcoming. And, you know, people that would, like Andrew Yang, let's say, who's the, the UBI guy. So well, now you have an extra, you know, X dollars in your pockets to pursue something like, you know, painting. I, I'm not exactly sure that's how humans work. 
<laughs> yeah. And yeah, so so there have been like parliamentary budget reports and, and this saying that, you know, no, this 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 won't work. Um, but you, you're right from that that uh, like human perspective, how does how does giving, you know, say, I I'd say I'll, I'll take myself for example. How does giving a 20, 22 year old Matt Genru uh, thirty thousand uh, dollars arbitrarily thirty thousand dollars the minute I I exit um, like twenty two I wouldn't exit high school. Well, let's say university. I exit university. Yeah. Here's thirty thousand dollars. How does that change my my career trajectory? How does that change my my personal and and I guess viewing of, of society in, in general yeah. directory does that make me make me less less likely to have mental health and anxiety and, and depression you know I, I I don't know so if 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 using me as an example and then you you didn't use the extreme example but if if I were to address the the extreme example of somebody who is suffering from significant mental health yeah. uh issues maybe say say suddenly at the age of 18 or or, or 19 mm -hmm. give mm -hmm. them thirty thousand dollars also what does that do to their 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 health trajectory mm -hmm. uh, maybe they're maybe they have they're struggling from significant addictions uh, uh issues uh, does that does that help or hinder those um those addictions right. issues right. i'm you know, i'm by no means an expert in in this yeah. file but i certainly think that there's um there's arguments to be made philosophically. You know, I gave the practical example of across a country, how do you do this? I, which I, I think is 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 fair for why there shouldn't be a a, a UBI across the board mm -hmm. law in, um, in in Canada. But at that um, that uh, uh, more personal and human level, you know, they, I guess show me the info in, in terms of, of how that 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 would help that uh yeah, addictions yeah. person and you know if, yeah. if if it's there absolutely you want to again i think coming down to the basic human level we want to help people right so yeah. if we're able to help people then i guess make that argument so what about this i want to i want to throw a hypothetical question by you um maybe love hypothetical questions might be tough for you to answer because i, I was talking with a friend about this the other day in terms of government intervention and the pandemic in particular where, you know, and, and we can go back to the financial crisis where government intervened um, to bail out the big, the big banks. And so that was like phase one of a very, very significant intervention. And now, and this is completely different, but there's been a significant government intervention from a financial perspective. And I, I look at it from a, from a psychological, I look at it very broadly, the question from a, the entire, our, our society broadly and the psychology of our society and wondering if those type of interventions, well, necessary, well, the banks, you could argue, you know, too big to fail, if they're ultimately to the benefit or detriment of an individual's psychological makeup. And I'll give you an example. And this is gonna, this is gonna be a harsh hypothetical because I'm by no way am I saying anything about what the government did or didn't do to help support those who are struggling. Um, but there's a path you take when you receive financial support 
and there's a path you take when you're forced to figure out a solution on your own. Um, and so I'm just wondering how you think the last 15 months would have unrolled had we had this libertarian government. I mean, <laughs> Jason Kennedy, Jason Kennedy is the most, <laughs> um, he's the most left-leaning libertarian I've ever seen based on what he's had to do. But, <laughs> but um, if we had a libertarian government who just said, you know what, to each their own, um, psychologically, how do you think we would have responded as individuals? Isn't there, isn't Brazil done something? Aren't they, um, they kind of throwing masks and caution to the wind? Well, yeah, I don't think they're doing very well with their pandemic. So maybe that's the answer right there, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, uh, again, like we were, we were chatting before, you know, the, the extreme examples of people who don't believe that we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen on our, our Facebook feeds, the, the individuals who refuse to wear masks or, or whatever yeah. and, and are issued fines. And, you know, I, 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 then I would, I would assume with based on your, um, your description, then that there would be, there would be zero financial supports for, mm -hmm. for individuals who have have lost yeah. their jobs. I, I guess you wouldn't have shut down restaurants then, or you wouldn't right. have shut down right. gyms and and that. So perhaps people could have have maintained employment. Um, I I think with all the public health advice, like whether or not you you agree with everything Dr. Tam, Dr. Hinshaw, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and and BC have to say. You know, they they train their entire lives for 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 these sorts of of instances, and they they are the experts. in, in my opinion, I've agreed with with certain times with with Dr. Tam at uh, at more of a um, the initial stages of, of the pandemic, right. but yeah. certainly you know have to uh, have to respect the amount of of training and and and. Uh, research they've 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 done within their careers to 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 offer this advice so i i would think even if you even if there was a a libertarian government i i don't know would canadians just you know say well thanks politicians we appreciate you uh weighing in on this we're actually going to trust uh you know that that doctor over there or, or this uh public yeah, health yeah, yeah. Over there. yeah no that's, that's that's interesting um so you have a um talk a little bit about the event you're doing um upcoming supporting mental health um i haven't i i read about it a little bit before this interview but maybe give me give me the background and story and uh and, and why you made this an annual event yeah well actually kind of going back to what you said earlier about uh you know there's you talk about mental health in in general uh, or you know, zone in on certain aspects of, of mental health. Any any aspiring politicians listening to uh, to your podcast, I would uh, in, encourage them to to find those areas where you can zoom in to to make a difference. I find the 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 you see so many politicians come and 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 go in in provincially, municipally, federally. You look back and say, well, what what was it that they they really were able to accomplish? And right. you know, it's to, to to, to to find those those issues that that need help and and need that that kind of political you know push in a, in a lot of ways 
are, or I, I would encourage any, any young aspiring politician to find those issues that matter to them and, and, and focus on those. Uh, because if you're if you're going after every issue that comes across your desk, you're 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 not going to accomplish anything. You'll 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 sit back after you know, I guess ten years in my case and say, well, well, what the heck did we were able to do? So you know, that's where you know the mental health and, and young dads really um, really took off again back in, in 2013. Got in it to build schools. We built schools, but also want to to, to focus on uh, on this issue largely so when i was elected federally said you know why why can't we at the national level really focus on what what it means for for you know if i if i had uh, a young dad or even young men, uh, how we've expanded it, gets laid off in in their in the energy sector here in Alberta, in the fishery sector in uh, in uh, Nova Scotia. What does that mean to their to their family? What does that mean to their to their personal self worth? You know the the anxiety, depression that uh, that comes along with that. We, you know, see higher rates of of suicide in in, in young men. So we um, it was something that I kind of wanted to start provincially and explore it a little bit with. Um, uh, the late speakers was Desky, um, but then when got to got to Ottawa, really kind of kicked it up uh, a notch and said, "We're just going to do this and see what happens." And we started a, an annual event, uh, Father's Day on the Hill, where we bring forward stakeholders at the at the national level. So the Mental Health Commission of Canada supports mm -hmm. it and has supported it. We're now in our our fifth year, I, I believe. And we Movember Foundation is um, is there, but also just a bunch of like like really neat uh, niche um, uh, networks, like like Dad Central for for example. I didn't even know exists. It's a it's an organization that gets Public Health Agency Fund of Canada funding uh, every year, and they're they're struggling to raise their profile. So we said, well, everybody come together, and we it's a nonpartisan event. I give a you know quick kind of. You know, hey everybody, thanks for joining us. I turn it over to my uh, liberal colleague, who also says something similar, and then turn over the NDP colleague. And the, between the three of us, we we uh, we then bring in a, a guest speaker, uh, which for last um, the, the, last year aside, and I'll get to last year in a minute. But the years before that, we would bring in a, a guest speaker to kind of speak about their personal experience. And we've had some pretty pretty moving um, uh, speakers come in and we invite uh, uh, all elected officials uh, from the Senate, from um, the House of Commons to come and uh, and, and hear these talks. And they're, they're inevitably somebody comes up to, to all of us and I was really blown away. You know, we need to do more to support young men in, in mental health. So we've had, uh, you know, Minister Haidu was, uh, has, has, uh, has, has come um, before uh, as, as well. She was at the first one actually, and she's yeah. kind of carried on um, throughout, which is, is great now she's Minister of Health, you know, great, now you can do something about it. So, um, but yeah, but last year, because we were virtual, we actually had to change it up a bit, which um, was, was, we, we thought, well, we could kind of do this virtually, but who's really going to attend? Everybody's going to turn their camera off and pretend they're attending. So what we ended up doing instead was uh, uh, we got um, quote unquote celebrities to uh, to support the event. So we had Peter Mansbridge, we had George yeah. Rock, um, a bunch of bunch of, of, uh, of men, Matthew Barnaby, uh, Brian Balmer <laughs> from HGTV, um, just mm -hmm. just guys to come and talk about what mental health in young men means to, to to them and and supporting the event so this year's a little bit uh different um i don't let the cat out of the bag quite yet but it's uh it's uh it'll happen around father's day and it's it's a bit more um uh, i guess grassroots uh social media um focus but yeah we're, we're we're gonna keep doing it because it's it keeps getting 
keeps getting all these organizations together that really do focus on men's mental health, but get them in the the, the same room, the same room virtually, just to again, you know, be able to push that uh, that envelope and that needle to get the get the supports or get uh, get those those small little niche things like I talked about uh, before, uh, get those things um, changed. So it's so we, we don't see we don't see the numbers increase in terms of uh, of suicides in young men. Well, well, good for you. That's an awesome initiative. And five years is, um, yeah, keep, keep it going. And if I could do anything to help uh, on the day or, or in lead up, um, by all means, reach out and let me know. Um, question for you. This this will be my last question. And um, something I've been kind of getting into the weeds on, and <clears throat> I've talked to a few folks around, um, is, is about the use of psychedelic medicine in treating um things like PTSD, um, depression, anxiety. Um, I'm not sure if you've been reading up on it at all um, or not, but um, have you, do you want me to give you a quick? Do you, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I would, I have too much um, to add. Uh, I know that there was, um, I, I can't remember the drug off the top of my head, a uh, drug given to a number of veterans. Yeah, um, would have been yeah. Psilocybin, psilocybin, magic mushrooms. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. And meeting and actually spending a fair bit of time with um, a veteran who was on Parliament uh, Hill and he would petition outside of, if you've ever been on Parliament Hill, there's uh, a lot of people petitioning or, or stake out their, their spot in the grass and, and would, you know, as we walk by as up to the House of Commons, you inevitably pass a bunch of signs and, and whatever. This um, gentleman and I uh, said, you know, he's a veteran, so I, you know, I stopped thanked him for his service and asked him about uh, about uh, what happened to him and and he explained you know just how it changed his life and in the negative of of, of receiving this um, uh, this drug and it was uh, you know advised to, to to take it and and whatnot and you just you know, your heart breaks for for an individual like that who told me he's like I he had a family he had uh, a, a, a wife uh, kids who said don't talk to him anymore and you know this is how he feels now is best use of his time is to come in parliament hill and try to talk to politicians about uh, about making these uh these changes so i know a number of uh, individuals have stood up in the house of commons to to say you know this this in the past this was a, a past practice that didn't work uh for um for us will we commit to not doing that again um i can't tell you i'm, I'm up on the latest this would have been yeah. you know about three or four years ago but yeah. sorry this was a military veteran who had been uh, advised to take a psychedelic to help treat his ptsd that didn't it had the a negative effect on is that what you're saying yeah so he's well you said he lost his his family he lost his uh his kids don't uh, talk to him uh anymore uh, I, I assume lost his job if he's at uh parliament hill um, yeah, at the yeah. time so yeah so had had that negative effect on him where like i don't know like the you know for our our veterans like my my grandpa was a veteran who just passed away you know, a month ago but he um he 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 fought in in the war you know you you just think of the the sacrifice like i after he passed away, I looked at all of his papers. He's a 19-year-old kid, basically that that was put up in a in a camp in um, in uh, you know, um, first in, in outside Toronto in in, uh, in York, and was was said, you know, this is your uh, your you learn to learn to be a soldier here. And like I think I would like at 19, like I certainly wasn't uh, wasn't ready to do something like that. It was a skateboarding punk here in Edmonton at, at 19. So yeah, well, it was a different generation. Uh, 
they've um there's been those memes or, or gifs or gifs on uh social media and one of them was um you know it was a side by side saying you know this is your world war ii and on the left side they had a picture of like it would have been your grandfather 19 years old like in the trenches and then on the right side it was a 19 year old sitting on his sitting on his coach playing video games you know because he's he's having to stay home because of the anyways yeah. not even funny but anyways i i know i know you got to go at 11 30 but um i just want to say i appreciate uh you taking the time to chat with me about a myriad of things mental health related and not and um appreciate the work you're doing as an advocate for mental health so so thank you and like i said if there's anything i can do to help um with your upcoming event happy to happy to support it anyway yeah we'll certainly be uh be letting pestering you and letting you know that it's coming up uh, uh for sure i obviously want to get back to ottawa i, I think where when we all do when it's safe and and everything and and certainly want uh you know the, your role in the glen rose and all of your your support when when we get back there in terms of a, of a physical support but yeah um would, would love that and yeah and i you know Kudos again to to you on your uh, your new gig at the the Glen Rose, but also this this is uh, I think important discussions to have uh, in and around uh, not just with political uh, uh, people like myself, but uh, I think a lot of people in in reflecting on a variety of issues. And I can tell you, no issue was off the table. We talked about I think pretty much everything. I'm sure my staff will be calling me now saying, "What did you talk about?" <laughs> but uh, anyway, always happy to to chat, Mark. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Bye.